So over my years in ministry, I seem to have preached on our passage this morning from St John's Gospel on a few occasions. And whenever I do, I have to confess that it always seems to bring out a bit of irreverence in me. Because it makes me think every time of a birthday card that one of my friends gave to me whilst I was training for ordination, training for ministry. And the cartoon on the front of the card is as follows. We see the back of a woman standing at the door of her uh, very modern looking, very open plan, uh, rather nice home. There are some couple of nice sofas, a coffee table, um, all mod cons. And at the door in front of her are a couple of smartly dressed men, both in shirt and tie, both with, we presume, a large Bible grasped in their hand. They must be evangelists of some sort, I guess. Uh, Maybe Mormons, maybe Jehovah's Witnesses, or maybe um, straight down the line Christians. Who knows? Um, But the speech bubble comes out of the mouth of one of them. Have you found Jesus? Kevin, give it to us in all its glory. Can you make it out, folks? For those of you with good eyesight, you may be able to see just around the right-hand side of the curtain, the side of a robe, a bit of a beard, and a couple of sandals poking underneath the bottom. Have you found Jesus? Our reading is the second of the accounts in John's Gospel of Christ gathering his disciples round him. In the immediately preceding verses, two of the followers of John the Baptist, Andrew and Simon Peter, having heard what John says about Jesus, go in search of him. They do indeed find him and they choose to follow him. In our passage this morning, however, it's more a case of the boot being on the other foot. It's Jesus as he decides to leave for Galilee, as John writes, who, finding Philip, says to him, follow me. And Philip does. Although we aren't actually told in so many words that Philip does follow Jesus, we know that he must have done so because of what we're told next about what he does. He goes and finds Nathaniel, and he tells him, we have found the Messiah. The one about whom Moses and all the prophets wrote. And he is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In these few words, there are quite a few things to unpick, I think. We know that Jesus said to Philip, follow me. But we don't know anything about what happened between the two of them until the point at which Philip goes to tell Nathaniel about Jesus as well. We don't know whether Philip and Jesus had a long debate about why he should follow him, whether he actually took quite quite a bit of convincing to do so, or whether there was something so utterly extraordinary in Jesus' manner and those words that Philip felt immediately compelled to leave his whole life behind him there and there and follow this man. 
But we do know that however long it did take, with however much discussion and persuasion that may have gone on between Philip and Jesus, the result of this encounter was that Philip recognised that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, an apparently ordinary Galilean man, was also the saviour of Israel and ultimately of us all. And that he, Philip, recognised this so profoundly that he had to go and share this news with others, in this case with Nathaniel. Come and see, he tells him. We have found the Messiah. <clears throat> this story, remember, is before Jesus had begun any of his teachings that we hear about in the rest of the Gospels. Um, he uh, hadn't at this stage uh, performed any of the miracles or healings that are recounted as well. The first of the miracles actually comes in the very next verses, uh, the wedding at Cana where Jesus turns the water into wine. So somehow there is something in the person of Jesus that calls Philip both to follow him himself and then to encourage others to do the same. In this season of Epiphany, these few weeks after uh, the Feast of the Epiphany last weekend where we celebrate the wise men uh, coming to Jesus in the stable as a baby. This season of Epiphany, which literally means um, God manifesting himself, making himself known. God in and through the person of Jesus makes himself known to Philip, then Nathaniel, and then all of the others who follow him through that encounter. God in and through the person of Jesus places a call on Philip's life. A call to be a disciple, literally a follower, a student, one who observes, who learns and who puts into practice what they have seen, which is exactly what Philip does. He copies his master. Because just as Jesus had said to Andrew and Simon Peter as they followed him, come and you will see. Philip eager to get Nathaniel to know and to have what he has obtained through following Jesus. Even in that short period of time, Philip says to Nathaniel in words that echo Jesus's to Andrew and Simon Peter, come and see. He copies what Jesus shows. Nathaniel, it's clear from his uh, rather famous put down, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's something of a cynic. But Philip's approach is to cut through all of that. He appeals to him to come and witness for himself. He doesn't try to answer that question that Nathaniel puts to him. But he says, come and see who Jesus is and what Jesus does. It has to be said, there's a bit of mystery around this later encounter between Jesus and Nathaniel. We don't know what Nathaniel had been doing under this fig tree to which Jesus refers uh, that he was sitting under. But whatever it is that Nathaniel was doing, Jesus is noticing of him and calling of him must have been so transformative 
that they also result in Nathaniel following Christ himself, like Philip, as one of his closest 12 followers, his 12 disciples. Whether, as in the case of Andrew and Simon Peter, the following is initiated by the individual, or as in the case of Philip and Nathaniel, by Jesus himself. The words of Jesus to all of his disciples in chapter 15 of John's Gospel, as they share the Passover meal before his betrayal, are true for them all. Jesus' words, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And this is true for each one of us as well. When we come to know the reality and the joy of Jesus in our lives, whilst we need to be open to God moving in us, it's always Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, who has held out his hand to us first, in order that we might put our hand in his and follow him. Kevin, if you could put uh, the famous painting, um, this is um, uh, the version in, actually, in, in Keble College, Oxford, but the better-known one is in um, London's St Paul's Cathedral, um, both painted um, by uh, exactly the same artist, William Holman Hunt, and it's called The Light of the World. And it shows Jesus standing, um, lamp in one hand, uh, knuckle poised to knock on a door to his side in this rather overgrown um, environment, this garden scene. And when this was unveiled to the public, the artist was criticised because he had painted no handle on the outside of the door. How was Jesus supposed to get in? But as Holman Hunt explained, it was for Jesus to knock and for the soul inside to respond to that first divine call. And with the handle on the inside that we cannot see from this view, the handle on the inside is opened. The door of the heart inside opens to allow Christ in. And this is our dynamic too. For those of us who know the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, we each have at some point responded to Jesus' knock on our door. His call, his words, follow me. Or in many cases, we'll have responded to the words of others. Maybe a friend or a family member, maybe a neighbour or a colleague who have seen, uh, who have had, excuse me, the simple courage to say to us, like Philip, come and see. To which we have responded and seen and heard the person of Jesus in the scriptures. Or God's Holy Spirit at work in the lives of people of faith. And in how they live. And how they connect with and bless others. 
when a number of our church family, our ministry team, there's a, a few of them here with us this morning, when they and I recently attended a diocese-run course um, called Leading Evangelism. Uh, we and those from the other nearby churches who were uh, on this time together, we shared how we had each come to faith. And whilst there were some road to Damascus uh, type, extraordinary, d- dramatic comings to faith. Very many of us had had the experience not of that flash, but of numerous, much smaller and much less spectacular encounters with followers of Jesus. Each one of which, through that individual's come and see, Each one of which had taken us a few more steps on our journey towards our own personal faith. In my case, as I've shared with some of you before, my steps to a living faith in Jesus came, I think, first by um, the, um, the integrity that some of my university friends lived their lives distinctively and attractively from um, the run of the mill in the college that I went to, to everybody else. Yes, they enjoyed a couple of beers in the bar, um, but they didn't go for the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the consequences of that. There was something um, that um, showed in how they lived their lives that stood out distinctively about how they followed Jesus in their everyday life. And then secondly, um, there was a moment of uh, terrible crisis in the family of a particularly close friend um, whose sister became critically ill. And they and their friends and their church, they had an absolute belief in the power of prayer to make that young woman better, to heal her. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And that had a huge impact on me in my journey of faith. They weren't consciously saying, come and see. But by their actions, they invited those of us who knew them to do exactly that and to see. But then actually, after those those rather larger steps, it was a very simple invitation from another friend when I was newly arrived in London, new job, early 90s, a very simple invitation to go along with them to their church one Sunday. An extraordinarily straightforward, come and see. That was ultimately responsible for me over weeks and months afterwards. Responsible for me making a commitment to follow Jesus. So for each one of us who already has a faith, many of us know from our personal experience the profound impact of those three small words, come and see, on the lives of ourselves and of others dear to us. And if that is you, I encourage you to follow Philip's example, to think who if you like, could be my Nathaniel and offer them the same. Come and see. 
And for those of us here this morning who may not yet know Jesus in our lives, my encouragement to you is to imagine yourself as the person on the inside of Holman Hunt's door, to open your heart to the knocking of Jesus on the outside and to gently push that door open and allow Christ's loving presence to enter in. Because the result of doing so is to experience what Jesus describes to Nathaniel in the final verse of our reading. He invokes an image from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis, in which Jacob, in a dream, sees a ladder linking heaven and earth with angels ascending and descending. And as they do so, they bring in what Jesus says are greater things. They bring, as we pray every time we join together in the Lord's Prayer, they bring the kingdom of God into the here and the now. They remake it literally into heaven on earth. And this is what, if we respond to Jesus' call, we too can experience. The transformation of our lives and the lives of those around us, those whom we love through the presence of God's love and peace and joy. That sounds to me like a pretty good reason to come and see. So this Epiphany season, this new year, will you come and see Jesus and accept his invitation? Follow me. In his name we pray. I'll lead us in a brief prayer before we join together again in worship. Lord, we thank you for this story at the start of your ministry. We thank you for those disciples who you called to yourself to follow you, to be examples to us of what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. We thank you for Philip and Nathaniel for Andrew and Simon Peter. We thank you for those words. Follow me and come and see. And I pray this morning that um, wherever we may be in our journey with you, that those words will touch our hearts today. That we will know your loving presence in our lives and that we will walk more closely with you this day and each day. In your holy name we pray.